if you've ever been hyped up so much, like either, either breath work or you're just like, you're in a group of men, you're jumping, you're screaming, that you feel like you could literally run through a brick wall versus your average resting state, which is tired and you can't really get up. You're not motivated to do any, any extra, you're not motiv- motivated to even move. That is a prime example of you just cultivated all of that energy and you've literally brought it into your body. Man of Mastery podcast episode 72 with Chris Marhefka. Welcome back. Happy New Year. Look, guys, this podcast is here to support you. It's particularly here to support you, those of you who are committed to bold, big, hairy, audacious things, especially bold new moves in the new year. And today's podcast is perfect for that. It's a long one, so I'm going to give you a couple of highlights from it. And the reason I've accelerated it to air right now at the beginning of the year, uh, not only because of its content and its applicability to start and kick off your new year, a bold new year, but also because Chris, today's guest, has some workshops coming up, some training that kicks off next month in February, and ongoing webinars. So I want you to tap into Chris, get introduced to what he and his team are doing, and if, if it's interesting to you, then you can jump right to the show notes of this episode, manofmastery.com slash 072, and find out where to hit up Chris Marhefka and Training Camp for the Soul and their upcoming training. Why? Well, we're talking about purpose. What better way to start 2021, your new year, than with purpose? And, well, how was 2020 for you? If there's any chance that you were going through repetitive behavior, if you were trying the same things over and over again, if you were caught in a loop of maybe sucking up information and knowledge, but not moving forward in action as much as you would like, there are things like the trap of comfort Chris and I talk about today, the fog of fear and how to clear that out of the way. And and conversely, moving forward, we talk about some really exciting stuff about, about purpose, about embracing your sovereignty to to choose your sovereignty to choose every day we talk about warrior energy and how to cultivate and tap into that we talk about a process of massive state change and surrender ultimately surrender as a process to reach your full potential he's got a bunch of other tools and techniques in here gratitude popcorn is one i love but ultimately I titled this episode On Purpose because we talk so much about not living on purpose and what that looks like, maybe in not feeling joy and happiness and fulfillment. And then we talk about purpose, how to, how to uncover it, how to find it, how to find your way there and, and, and know when you're staying there. And particularly, we talk about cultivating intuition as a guide toward and on to and on purpose, living on purpose. So really excited to bring you this interview today with Chris Marhefka of Training Camp for the Soul. All right, we're rolling. Happy New Year, Chris. Great to see you again. 
Yeah, great to see you. Happy New Year. Yeah, welcome, Chris Marhefka. He is the CEO, founder, creator of Training Camp for the Soul. And uh, I love what, what you guys say, Chris, that you connect, you help people connect with purpose, overcome fears, and live with clarity. Uh, something you describe as emotional resilience training to remove barriers and create the, the life you desire. Uh, I mean, this all sounds great. And people would kind of go like, yeah, that sounds good. How, I mean, you do such amazing work with men from what I know. And we've talked about in the past. Um, how do people know that's what's something they need? What's for them? How, what are some typical signs that, that a man is stuck and yeah. could use something like training camp for the soul? Yeah, that, that word right there is pretty much unanimous with people that come to our work is they found themselves stuck in some way. Um, and for me, I'll share a lot about my story as we go, but for me, that was uh, stuck in the same problems. So a lot of things were showing up in my life over and over again, and I was trying to logically solve them. And sometimes I thought I did, and it, it would come back around. Um, that can also be stuck in health. Uh, a lot of people, uh, like myself included, um, we, we don't quite treat our bodies with the reverence that they deserve until they start to fail on us and still until they start to break down, uh, which was a situation for me too. Um, so they could be stuck in their health in some way. They could be stuck in their relationships. And um, this can be like a same repeating pattern, like, like, like partner after partner and same endings and same stories, or it could be in a relationship and really desiring to make it work, but not knowing how to communicate, like really not knowing how to speak where they're coming from, what their truth is, while also still connecting with their partner. Um, uh, and it could be stuck in like career or what I prefer to call purpose. Uh, as, as men, especially, we are purpose-driven creatures. And when a man finds himself stuck in purpose or, or without purpose or, or living uh, living, um, not on purpose, it, uh, we lose a vitality of life. We, we lose often a reason to live in a lot of ways. And so without that driving purpose or that clarity of purpose, um, uh, men will describe it as, um, frustrated, um, or again, stuck, they will, um, be desiring more. Uh, they'll be always seeking, seeking for more. Um, and they may just like myself, that what it may turn into is just working harder or just, <laughs> or just more of what they're currently doing. And, um, for myself, I, I was fortunate enough to have a lot of success in the things that I set out to do early on in life. Uh, for my first 30 years of life, I, I checked all of the boxes that I wanted to check. And I got to the top of this uh, proverbial ladder that I'd been climbing like, like really hard. Like I, I learned the lessons of hard work, which I imagine many of the men who are listening can resonate. Like just the hard work of, of discipline, of training and sports and competitive business and, and like all these things that um, uh, I was really fortunate to learn because they're gifts. But I got to the top of this ladder that I was climbing and I looked around and I had done everything that I said I wanted to do in my life. I'd literally checked all my boxes. Since I'd tracked goals, I'd hit all of my goals. Um, and it was this weird, it was this weird acknowledgement or awareness 
that while I had checked all these boxes, I still felt the same sensation of not being complete or not being arrived or um, still desiring more and more fulfillment, more happiness, more joy. And the thing that really um, brought me to this work, and again, I imagine this story resonates with a lot of people, is that um, I did 10 years of personal development work before I got to this deeper, um, what I call um, subconscious healing work. And it was all in the mind. And it was, it was, I was reading book after book and doing seminars and courses and coaches. And I was a coach myself. And, and there was all of this like strategy and tools and tactics and mindset and um, how to create more structure in your life. And all of those were really, really useful for me. But sometime around that like eight year in mark of doing all this work, nine years in of doing all this work, I started to realize like I was still coming back to the same things. And I wasn't fulfilled. I didn't know how to find happy. Like I didn't know how to feel joy and happiness in my life. And so while I had all the things that I thought would bring me that, um, I still wasn't there. And for me, it was, um, I, I was seeking, I was seeking a lot of knowledge and information. Um, but it was on the, it was, it was useful to where it got me, but at the point that I was at, I realized that I had to think differently about the problem. And so uh, that led me down uh, a different seeking path, which was less about um, knowledge and information. and was more about like going inside, which was different than anything that I had ever been taught. Um, if like my all schooling is around learning and regurgitating information. <laughs> um, a lot of careers are around learning a skill and repeating it uh, around like knowledge and experience. Um, but uh, nothing that I had been taught to that point was about like going in to see like what was in there that actually wanted to come out. Um, and, and what I'm really grateful for of, of like all that 30 years of, of, of learning the, what I would call the masculine side of life is that now that I'm in a, a bit more alignment, uh, a lot more alignment, let's be honest. Um, I can now use all those tools to, for more impact, uh, of what I want to do. So that's like a big overview of, of this. And I can get more specific in any one of those like tools and strategies, but, um, most of the time men don't know it until they hit some enough pain for themselves or discomfort that they're dissatisfied with something. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense to me. I, I think, um, like some of those symptoms that you talked about, uh, just working and working and never really feeling like you're progressing towards anything, or I had another super busy day, but did I really tick off anything that was important or moves forward? a bigger purpose. I love that term on purpose. And I agree. We men are so purpose driven, but oftentimes instead of being purpose driven, figuring out what our purpose is and being driven mm -hmm. towards it or for it, we're just objective driven, goal driven, tactically yeah. driven. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, you know, that churn happens, mm -hmm. that feeling of 
I'm doing something, but I'm not sure if I'm progressing. Or I, I think of this silly example all the time of a buddy who I remember telling me how dissatisfied he was with his particular job or career track and intended to make a change. And I'm talking about four years, in fact, probably like a decade when I would check in with him from time to time. Like, how's that going? Did you decide to stay where you are? No, I'm still in the same place. I just haven't updated my resume yet. Like, dude, it's 10, it's 10 fucking years later. Yeah. <laughs> like, so the, that churn or the, um, you, you know, is everything fine mm-hmm. versus is everything mm-hmm. great? Maybe you achieved the success, but there's not the feel, feeling of fulfillment. Is everything okay in your relationships or are you really communicating effectively? Are you really tapping in to your emotions and an emotional connection? Yeah, I call what you just described there. It's the trap of comfort. It's the trap of good enough. Like life is good enough. Relationships are good enough. Career is good enough. And that is a very enticing trap because it's the model that most people see. It's like what most people, like if you're working in the, in the corporate space and like, that's the model of like your, your peers and, and your uh, um, people that you're around, it's the model that we're sold in a lot of ways. There's, there's very, there's, there's much less um, available models for people that uh, said like, oh yeah, I, I can do this. And also I'm going to, I'm going to take the, some, I'm going to, take on some courage here. I'm a step forward in courage and really figure out what this is. And maybe that means burning some things down or, or radically shifting and transforming. But at the end of the day, I know that that's going to be in my long-term best interest. Even if, it, if there's a rocky period, it's like, um, it's like, it's like training. It's like, I, I was a competitive Ironman and, and I did a lot of Spartans. Like I see the medals behind you there and competitive obstacle course rate. And like, the training to get, get, get into that and like really peak, it's uncomfortable and it sucks. And it's a lot easier to not do those things. <laughs> it's a lot easier, but you know, the fulfillment of achieving that and the fulfillment of really putting in the work um, and, and, and the outcome of, of like putting that medal on at the end of the, the finish line, that's the equivalent of making these, radical transformations in your life is it's going to bring some, some shit up that's rocky and uncomfortable and you're going to have those rough training days. But at the end of the day, it's uh, very much worth it. Yeah. That, um, that threshold of, you know, comfort, discomfort, getting outside of our comfort zones, that's really where the growth happens. And uh, I mean, to tie a couple of things together and I, I want to ask you a couple of questions or your, your advice um, about the classic sort of American or especially career and financially driven model. But I'm glad, you know, you mentioned something like training for and, and doing something that is hard, whatever that is relative to you, to each person. Right. And I, I was telling somebody yesterday. Um, so I did a, a, one of the 50 kilometer, 31 mile Spartans. And that's, you know, that's something significant to train for, at least for me. Mm-hmm. And um, certainly finishing it successfully was an accomplishment. It was, it was a thing. But if I really look back at um, my emotions around that, right, if I tap into what that felt like, which we don't often do when it's like, well, I achieved this financially or career-wise or whatever, you don't think a lot about where the important emotional connection came in. What I, what I look back on the most was uh, it's the feeling at the finish line when my wife and son are there. Mm. 
and they're there to support me and they get emotional because of what they know I went through. And I get emotional about reconnecting with them at the finish. And in that one in particular, I met a guy on the mountain and we ended up running the second half of it together and have stayed in, in contact since like another connection that came out of it. It's more, it's about a lot more than, yeah. than the physical nature of doing something or the business relation uh, of doing something. And I guess what I wanted to ask you is when we get so, um, you know, goal focused, mm-hmm. uh, I, I feel like in a, if you, if we go back to like a career setting, which a lot of us um, spent a lot of years working on and that um, I'm glad you said courage, because I often think a lot about making cur- uh, courage based decisions or making mm-hmm. fear based decisions. It seems like guys end up in, maybe one of two main places career-wise. Either you've hit a tremendous career and financial success that gives you some ultimate life freedom and you go, now what, <laughs> right? What have I done that left a legacy or fulfills me or what's, what's in the next chapter? Or uh, I wanted to ask you kind of your thoughts on how people classically approach retirement or think about retirement in still working because in this country, I think it's very easy to get in a place where you go like, I've accumulated X, you know, the ING commercial. What's my yeah. number? Did I hit my mm-hmm. number? Mm-hmm. Is it big enough? What am I afraid of? You know, is this, is this going to get inflated to something that won't sustain me for life? Or I hit a major medical event and maybe it's not big enough. And so I need to keep working forever, <laughs> basically, right? Yeah. So how, how do we think about bringing us together as, as we think about really spending our lives on purpose and yeah. having the courage to do so in a way career-wise and financially that puts us on a path that fulfills each of us. Does that question mm. make sense? Such a great question. Yeah, such a great question. And um, the one thing that I really shifted in, in my journey was uh, instead of seeking uh, a one-purpose outcome, like this thing that I'm putting on a pedestal that is to be achieved. And it's like everything in my life has to be directed to it. I started shifting my awareness to living on purpose. And so for that, for me, that means what can I bring intentionality to in every moment of every day? So uh, purpose doesn't have to be, uh, it doesn't have to be career necessarily. It could be in this season of my life, like my purpose is to take care of my health because if, if that's not there, then I don't have anything. My, maybe my purpose right now is to be the best father I can be or the best partner in a relationship. And so all of those allows a little bit more um, flexibility on a moment by moment basis and say like, what is my purpose right now in this moment? And I think the story that most of us were sold uh, especially as as men is this this story of like you said it's this climbing the career ladder getting to a point having this number that's big enough and then living your life or or then enjoying your life is like this story that's sold um unfortunately my, my perspective in doing this work with people of all ages and my own story and witnessing it with friends and family is is that um Anytime we delay what we want to an imaginary date or an imaginary time or an imaginary number, we're literally choosing not to live in the moment of our life. 
We're saying, I don't deserve or get to live right now or enjoy life right now because that's for later. And it's all made up because even the, even like the age that everyone bases, it's all made up. It was made, it was, and it's also quite outdated as well. Um, the lifestyle in which we live today, you and I live today is very different than our grandfathers worked in and like the, how long people lived and, and what life was like. Um, I honestly believe that we have the capacity for more sovereignty and freedom at this moment now than in any time in human history. And so buying into a really outdated model, honestly, is, is um, it's crippling a lot of men because we can make the choice to enjoy life today. We can make the choice to have healthy relationships today. And I can't tell you how many uh, conversations I have with men around um, like feeling guilty that they've sacrificed family and partnership for work. And they're like, well, I just have to do it because like, this is the path. And what I always tell everyone and, and men especially is that just because you are sold a story doesn't mean that's the only option. Just because the, the, this is the path that you're on, it doesn't mean there's another path, like two feet to the right or to the left. Like you can get on this path if you want it anytime. And that's the story around um, that. That's the story around like time in our lives that I, I wanted to get to is that it's never too late. Like th the best time to make a change is, was 10 years ago. You know, when you say like they plant a tree, the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. The second best time is right now. So if you're in the awareness that like you're not happy, you're not fulfilled, like now's the time, like your buddy is, but I mean, he knows, he knows what he's doing is not for him. And think about all, all that he could have made, made, uh, made headway on in 40 years. Had he taken the step to just go on another path or to just to have some courage to step off where he was and like go for something that was more aligned. Um, and what I was going to get to was that this, this um, perfect timeline that most people like vision of their lives is completely imaginary. Um, and sometimes it works out that we live to be 90 years old and we have 30 years of retirement or whatever. And we live this life. And sometimes um, like I've had friends in their thirties that get in a car accident and they leave behind a wife and kids and they, um, or sickness hits, illness hits, um, surprises hit. And I, my belief now is that our responsibility as, as men and as humans is to enjoy and live the best life that we can right now and not delay it for some imaginary time in the future. Cause you can have both. It's just, we're told we can't. <laughs> we're just right. And, and, and I know plenty of examples that like have everything. They have all of those things. Um, but a lot, a lot of people just don't see them. They're not glorified the way that like the career corporate boss is glorified, but look, I mean, look at the guy in the corner office. Like, do you want to be him? Like, do you want to be the last guy in the office at 9 PM at night? And like, check in with that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I think a lot of people are aware that, that, uh, Hollywood is not just entertainment, but propaganda, you know, yeah. do you want to be, do you want to be Gordon Gecko? Do you want to be Top Gun? I don't know. You know, I was, I was just reaching for a book that you reminded me of, uh, as you were saying that, which I think is, uh, is a guy, you know, Rick Alexander. 
yeah you may be familiar mm-hmm. with yep. mm-hmm. i had just started his book ambitious heroes and heartache it's amazing like it blew me away in the first few chapters it's so applicable to this idea of of the story that we've bought into or the story that we're hanging on to and uh just at the beginning of chapter two here he talks about time which i think time is sort of you know an element that we've a concept we've just created right yeah um, and, and everyone buy, like most people buy into as most if people it's buy into just truth fact right Right. Which it's, it's a perspective, right? Yeah. And you mm-hmm. Sort of, you know, we all have this awareness of, of the past and the future and the, and the present and, and some fun sayings that go around that. But he talks about, you know, if you're hanging on to something in the past, you're literally uh, defining yourself by something that no longer exists except in your mind. And if you're operating those past thoughts, you're literally not, you're no longer operating in reality. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I love uh, how you use the word choice in, in all of this. Um, it reminded me, uh, uh, another friend just sent me a, a link to a Tim Ferriss. I think it's a TED Talk that I need to take a look at. And I think it's quite a, quite a dated one or, or reflects on early in, in Tim Ferriss uh, in his kind of decision points, choice points, um, before he really launched into the four-hour style, four-hour work week book and, and yeah, the, the company and all he's created around that. But it was about, uh, I believe it's about the cost of inaction, you know, sort of the cost of just getting gripped by those fears and, and making the choice to do nothing instead of the choice to change something. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and to bring this full circle, the, all of those stories and all of the, the, the fear that's, that's ingrained and taught to us um, is just, it's just a bunch of um, layers or it's, it's a bunch of heavy fog that's in the way of, of seeing what, what is really there for us. And so the work that I do is essentially stripping away those layers, clearing that fog. And it's not that um, it's not that um, like the work that we do, like forces people to transform into new people. It just gives them the choice where most people are living in a place where they don't feel they have a choice. And so when you start stripping away the old stories that really aren't even yours, all of us are products of what we were taught. We are just like handed these stories. And what happens is we take them on as our own and we hold on to them until we realize that maybe they're not useful anymore. Um, and it's okay to acknowledge that like, some things that you did were, were good for me at that stage in life. And now maybe not so much. And it's like this, this beautiful, it's like a place to stand that gives you your power back. Cause it's like, okay, I've done this in the past. Like maybe, maybe I want to change this. And so now I get to choose how I want to be moving forward. And it sounds like saying it that way sounds really easy and simple. It, it it is, but it also can be hard because you're bumping up against the reality that you've created, which is all of your old stories. And so a lot of people want to have (laughs) one of the lines I get often when I talk to people that are interested in doing this work is that how do I, how do I like make these changes inside without, uh, without messing up my life basically. And it's a valid question because most of us are attached to the things that we've created and we've brought in. Like it's our identity. It's like our identity is a, a father and a husband and this businessman and this community leader and whatever the thing is for you. These are all of our, like, is our identity. 
And so what happens is when things start to shift inside um, that are more authentic to us, but they conflict with our external environment that causes conflict. And so the choice is we either get to ignore what we're really feeling inside, or we have to make, we get to make a change in our external environment to support what's true for us. Um, and that is where the courage comes in because that can be hard. <laughs> I, like, I like how you say we get to make a change. We have the opportunity. Mm-hmm. How do you, uh, so let's dig in a little bit to how you do what you do with, with guys who work with you, um, starting to reach that point of, of having a choice or realizing the opportunity of a choice. And, and I love, you know, the, the exploring stories, this, this idea that uh, they're, they're just that, right? They're a construct that we've created or inherited or experienced and maybe accepted without giving much thought. And so it's a lot of fun to start to think about those things, step back a little bit, take some objective perspective. Like you said, it, is it still true for me? Does it still work for me? Or was it ever true? <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of science around our memory being very faulty. And you think back very to faulty. some very formative things from childhood that we probably don't remember very accurately, but we've created lifelong stories based on those, right? And even yeah. um, before the step of, choice to that point of sort of perspective uh, or what we might call awareness. What, what are some of the ways and tools that you start to work with guys to reach awareness, to reach um, doing that inside work and, and finding the friction and making choices? Mm-hmm. I, I, I love that question because um, awareness is absolutely the first step. There is a lot of talk in personal development around awareness and I'll, I'll actually I'll follow up with this because that's only stage one, but it's important because if you don't get to awareness, then you're, there's nowhere to start. There's nowhere to stand. And so um, some of the ways in which people get to awareness is um, the best way to describe it is changing your perspective. So there are some like very like quick and rapid fire ways to change your perspective. Um, one is to uh, be around people that are drastically different from you. <laughs> You'll very quickly realize like, oh, not everyone thinks the way I do. Not everyone talks the way I do, uh, lives the way I do. Um, and I get that from traveling. That's one of the ways that I, I, reasons I love to travel is it expands my perspective so much. Um, there's also other things that... Um, change your state. Um, you can do it with like things like, like breath work or, or, or meditations. And you just get into a different state to where you can see yourself separate. Uh, you can see your thoughts, your uh, beliefs as, and you can observe them and watch them. And so there's a lot of useful tools to do that, 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 that I use. And, um, there's, um, also just something simple as reflection. So I'm, I, I am, and I have been a fan of, of journaling. Um, and I, I just ask, I have a few like very simple journal prompts that allow me to reflect and take a step back. Like you were saying to just look at what's happening. And so like uh, an example of that is one that I use very regularly. It's, it's what's, out of integrity in my life right now, what's out of alignment. And so it it just, it has me sit back and review 
like all the different areas of my life. And very quickly, like something will come up and be like, yeah, like that is something like, uh, like at the very beginning of like quarantine time, I was, um, I was holed up in a, a cabin, uh, uh, up in uh, Idlewild, California with a woman I was dating. And it was amazing. Like everything about it, it was like pure cabin life. There's snow and we were enjoying it. It was like, quarantine's amazing. <laughs> and, um, we were up there for a month and I realized like I put on like five to 10 pounds. Cause we were just, we were drinking wine and like sitting by a fire and eating. And I wasn't, I wasn't exercising, I wasn't moving. And so like, that was just an example. I was like, Oh, that's out of integrity for me is like, I value that. And so just started moving more. And um, that's a really simple example. And then another question I, I got from one of my mentors is uh, a question of what else could be happening here. So it's a really simple one. Let me explain. So at any given point, so say like maybe in my, an argument with my, my, my partner, um, like I'm immediately going to come from my perspective, from my lens. And so taking just a moment to, it could be in the moment or could be later and just asking the question, okay, I know what I think is happening right now or what's going on. What else could be happening? And then you ask it again, okay, what else could be happening? And you just keep going until you run out. And then even when you run out, you say, okay, let me sit. And what else could it be? And you just come up with like this, like really like number of different perspectives that it wasn't, it wasn't immediate for you, but you have access to it. And just the awareness that there is more perspectives gives you some awareness that like, oh, I can actually change my response. Like I respond in this way. Like when my partner triggers me, I respond. When my kid breaks down and has a tantrum, I respond in this way. That's just the way I've learned to respond. Like what else could, what else could happen here? What else could I do in this situation? And that brings some level of awareness that there's something there that's running the show. That's not my conscious mind. Cause my conscious mind, like when I actually step back, I can come up with a number of other solutions, but the one that I'm doing instantly is just the one that's most conditioned for me. It's the one I've, I've learned to do. I've practiced and it's just, it's, it's unconscious. And so what, what we do in, in the awareness phase is we just honestly ask people what's going on for you right now. What's challenging in your life. What's keeping you up at night. And immediately like things just start pouring out of like, just, I'm, I'm not, happy here. I'm, I, I can't sleep. I'm like, whatever it's it, all these things just start coming up. Um, or it's, uh, I'm, I'm scared about what's happening in the world or like, I'm angry about this thing. And it can be, it can be anything. I'm frustrated about what's happening at work. And that right there is an opportunity to bring awareness. So what's out of alignment in your life and just taking a step back and, and, and letting the, the journal flow. And, um, uh, it is supportive to have someone like, like this is what I do for my clients to reflect things back and give another perspective that you trust. So even if you don't have a coach or a mentor, um, maybe a friend that you really trust or a spouse, someone that you can rely on you to give honest reflections um, because you can say like, Hey, this is what I think is going on. And then they'd be like, Hey, what about this? And then that just brings more, that gets you to awareness, basically. Yeah, that, that uh, external perspective is so valuable. And, uh, 
you know, especially if it's someone that has the, the, uh, the, the trust with you mm-hmm. and the ability to sometimes just call bullshit on you, which yeah. some people run out of, especially in, in a work setting, you know, you, you don't necessarily have somebody that's got the courage to give you that honesty at, at work. And, and I love those, those questions you got. They're, they're super powerful. You, uh, if, for somebody who's not watching the video, you, you made a motion somewhere in there with your hands that was creating space between your hands. You spread them apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think about that a lot as, as, as creating this space that allows us that time or that place to find the awareness, to start to find the awareness. Mm-hmm. I, I think about it like, um, I recall so many times where you may resonate with this and you're in a race and you're just in this repetitive task. Like I'm thinking like the last leg of an Ironman, like the marathon and you're everything just narrows in. And the only focus is like one foot in front of the other and moving forward. And it's useful for that. But what happens is the, that's the analogy of most people's lives is it gets so repetitive and tight that we're just living in a tunnel and the heads down and we're just cranking forward and there's just no um, there's no awareness of anything else that's going on. And that's how most people are living. Um, And what happens is fear actually contracts that we get even more contracted down. Um, And, and, but if, if you were to stop, like if you were in that leg and you were just to stop, take a really deep breath and just pick your head up and look around immediately you can just see like the hands are opening again, your, your, your awareness opens up to everything that's around you. You're like, uh, obviously this wouldn't be useful in, in, in a race, but you're like, Oh, trees over here, people cheering for me over here. And like, Oh, this guy's are here's having a, like having a great race smiling. Like you're just like aware to so much more. Um, and we can do that at any point in our life. And the greatest tool that we have is like, I just mentioned our breath. This is something that I teach all the time is that the simple act of slowing down and expanding and taking that really deep and slow breath already takes us out of our pattern and gives us more awareness. So right, away. Right, yeah, away. right away. And it only takes a few <laughs> seconds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great one. What um, you mentioned reflection through journaling in, in particular, mm-hmm. and something I've been kind of honing in on recently is, uh, you know, if you, if you're looking to take somebody who's maybe still a very, very, very busy. So let's say mm-hmm. it's, it's somebody who's still engaged in an executive mm-hmm. career. And so their schedule is super tight. They feel like they don't have a lot of time for anything else. Um, but what are some ways to start to create some space for somebody with that kind of a routine? Where is the most important place to start or to focus? And one of the things I, I have started to hone in on as a focal point in that situation is a morning routine, mm-hmm. starting the day in a purposeful way, starting the day with some of this reflection, starting the day even if it's not a tremendous amount earlier, but with a little bit of time and space before the chaos of everything else. So could I ask about your, your morning routine or things you like to advise for clients you work with? Absolutely. And I agree. That's one of the best times to, to like ground a, a new state, a new state of being is the morning. Um, and anytime you're transitioning to an, in, in your day, I, I find it to be a really powerful time. So like if you're driving home and you pull in the, pulling your driveway before you go inside, taking 
just 30 seconds to a minute to just take some deep breaths before you go in and you'll be so much more present now transitioning to home life. Um, and without that though, you're still in work mode and you can go into work when you're at home. So that was just an example, but for morning routines, I, what I like to teach is, is, is some version of like a three part, um, three part sequence. And the first is some sort of movement to get me in my body. So movement to like awaken my body. And, um, the way I do it now is just a product of learning a lot of modalities over the years, but I like movement like Tai Chi and Qigong and some yoga and stretching and just, um, what I call like joint mobility. What it does is it just gets things moving in my body. Um, and I do that in combination with breathing, which is number two. So any sort of intentional breath, um, and it can be as simple as like, uh, I teach box breathing, which is four, four seconds in four second, hold four seconds out four second, hold. So it's just this box and, um, or just any sort of just really slow intentional breaths down into your diaphragm. It's a way of just getting present, getting present with yourself in at least a minute or two. Um, and then the, the last thing that I like to do is either some sort of, um, reflective or meditative process. Now I, I teach a few of them. It depends on where someone's at, what's most useful. The easiest one that I actually start with, with people is not, um, it doesn't take any, uh, it doesn't really take any effort. And it's, it's a exercise that I call gratitude popcorn. Uh, and this is one of my mentors taught me this. And it's um, this process of after you do some deep breaths and you're, you're just sitting there and you're present with yourself just let anything come in that you're, you're grateful for. And it could be just, uh, I got to sleep an extra 30 minutes today and that pops in your head. And rather than, um, like journaling, uh, you just say, thank you. And you say, thank you for that thing. And what will happen is maybe it'll be a couple minutes like popcorn. It takes a little bit to get started. You'll just sit there and something else will come on. Oh, I smell coffee in the other room. Thank you. <laughs> and then it'll be like, oh, and I'm grateful for my wife for making that coffee. Thank you. And so like all of this starts to happen in real time. And then it could be like, um, I'm excited that I'm going out to dinner with this friend I haven't seen in a while. Thank you. And then I'm like, oh, I met them through this person. Thank you. They introduced me. And, and it can be just like anything. Thank you for, uh, thank you for sunshine today. Thank you for whatever. And it can be really simple, like, thank you for um, being, having a roof over my head or just this warm blanket. It doesn't matter. Just allow them to come through. And what will happen is you'll just start saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And like a minute of that, and it's just like popping and things are just popping in. And when you come out of that, you feel high. You literally feel high on life. But all it is, is this state of gratitude of like, wow, like, in one minute, I just got grateful for dozens of things that I wouldn't have any of awareness otherwise. And it just takes a minute. And when you come out of it, there's just a different view on life. There's a diff there's a, there's a view to be excited to go forward and, and to be thankful for all the things that we do have. And um, without going too much into the depths of why this is, but when we want more things to be grateful for, we have to appreciate first the things that we have to attract more of that in. 
But if we're always looking at the negative and what we don't have, that's what we're going to call in. And so there's a little bit of um, that that can go deeper. But so those are the three things. And then also in place of that gratitude or in addition can be some reflective journaling. I like to keep it to, to simple questions, though. Um, like, what do I need today? Uh, what is my intention for today? Uh, what's out of alignment? Um, what's, what's one courageous action I'll take today? Um, stuff like that allows your, your brain to think differently and to go in some different directions. Um, and yeah, it gives you, it gives you much more purpose going into your day from there. And all of that, the, like, the, the movement, the breath and the, the journaling gratitude can take as little as five minutes. Yeah. I was so, going to ask you about that. It sounds like an amazing combination to really awaken, mm-hmm. you know, whereas yeah. we physically wake up and oftentimes just plow forward into the day mm-hmm. without awakening our breath, our body, our mm-hmm. gratitude, our spirit, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I, I I often, again, when I think about a, a morning routine, I like to think about sort of an accordion, a, a, an optionality to the practice. Yep. So I love that you said it could take as little as five minutes if that's what the particular day allows. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got five minutes in the morning, even if it's sitting on the toilet or in the shower or something. Um, and then, uh, you know, if, in your ideal day with uh, as much time as you might like, how, how much would you extend that practice? Or what's, what's the sweet spot for you? Yeah. Great, great question. And, and, uh, the reason I, I go there first to the, the, like the, the minimum viable product is, um, I've been a coach for a very long time. I started coaching fitness 15 years ago and I realized that, um, one simple thing done repeatedly over a long period of time has much better outcome than a big thing done sporadically. And so, I always encourage people to, to start where they're at and, and do anything because if you can get an instant, like it, that practice doesn't even take, you don't need to do it for a week to get results. It, you get instant results in five minutes or, or even less two minutes. And so um, start with that. So for me, um, I've, I'm, I'm grateful to have created a life that really works well for me. And, and I, I take really slow mornings. I, I usually don't work before noon. And so that means that, um, I do, uh, usually like some form of movement for like an hour, usually outside in the sun here in Austin, Texas, we usually have good weather year round. Um, and, uh, most of the time, that's something really gentle on my body. I still train hard. Uh, now it's uh, much less often. I, I do it maybe maybe two or three times a week. I train really hard, usually with some some guys in my community. And um, but in the mornings, I take it easy on myself. And what I do is um, because I'm actually writing. Uh, I'm in the process of writing a book right now. After that movement and that that breathing, I feel. Um, I feel a lot of energy moving, which is the purpose of the movement and the breathing. And so I, I sit down and have like tea or coffee and then I go right into journaling and what it starts with often is what I have going on, but the value of um, having an expanded awareness is that goes into like, Oh, this could be useful for book. And so I'll just go on like my story and what I'm going through and like, and um, 
I can, I can sometimes sit and write for hours. And that's why I give myself that space is because if I'm on a roll, like I just want to roll. And sometimes it's five minutes and I'm just not feeling it. And maybe I'll go walk the dog or something. But, uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's interesting. You said that the, you brought up writing the book and when you said oftentimes you won't start work until noon, writing is, is part of your work. And, yeah. and I, I usually <laughs> find that the creative energy is best in the, in the earlier part of the day. It sounds like mm-hmm. that's true for you too. It is. Yeah, it is. And I, I find that to be um, like when we get to the place where we realize we can choose what's important to us, we can choose our priorities and what we put energy into. I've just, I'm just now in a place to where I know that I have to take care of my body. Like a lot of the work that I do takes a lot of energy, like when I'm working with clients. And so I have to take care of my body. Um, and then I also have a, a desire to bring things into the world in this creative process. And also it fills me up too. So that when I go into my coaching calls, um, like a nooner, nooner later, I'm, I am fully present. I like my days already been a success. Like I'm just so filled up. And so I can just give and I, I can be a servant in that moment um, rather than worrying about what I have to do next or anything that's like to do's. Um, and so that's the other reason for that. You're there to serve. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I, I'm just making a couple notes for us here verbally. I want to mm-hmm. come back to purpose a little bit mm-hmm. and then dive into what you're doing with training camp for the soul and how you work uh, as a coach in events and with clients remotely in a COVID world. But if you don't mind, um, can I take a couple left turns on? Let's on, do it. Yeah. Yeah. So right. one on, on breath mm-hmm. as an athlete in particular, and as a cyclist, in particular, um, are you, are you in the camp that we should almost exclusively be nostril breathing? And, mm. um, when it comes to upright, upregulating, downregulating breathing techniques and being bent over on a bicycle, you know, as it relates to yeah. breath volume and breathing in a 360 and, and diaphragmatic breathing at, you know, let's say, let's say you're, you're locked into something that's like a, you know, like a buddy of mine is a competitive cyclist at 60 plus, and he can still maintain 175 beats per minute heart rate on a, on a, on a hard climb or something like that. And he's going, what's my ideal breath technique in a situation mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. Great question. There's a lot, obviously a lot of modalities out there. It, the question I always ask, and this goes for anything is like, what's the intended outcome? Um, for most people, most of the time, I would say nasal breathing. Yes. And I would say low, I keep it simple, low and slow. So breathing low into your body and as slow as you can, because most people don't need upregulating breaths. <laughs> like most people need to bring their system down more often. Yeah. And that includes during exercise, um, especially anything longer than 20 minutes is like, you actually need to bring your system down. Um, and so if you can maintain through your, your, your nose, uh, nasal breathing is usually more effective. Um, and I just find for regulation of your state, like it's, it's more effective. It just slows everything down. There's more space. There's more awareness. Um, so low and slow is the, now if you're at 
95% of your max heart rate and you're climbing a hill and you need to pull in as much air as you can. Yeah. Open your mouth up, feel your body expand as much in every direction as you can. Um, and that, that same thing goes when we're doing what I would call like flooding breaths where we're flooding the system with breath, which is something that um, I don't personally do more than like once a week. I mean, it's, it's uh, taxing to the system. It's exciting. It's fun. It's like the sexy thing in breath work right now to like really get into that really intense breath like pattern, a, like a holotropic. Yeah. Like a holotropic, a Wim Hof. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And those are really, really useful. I, I use them all the time in facilitating, but, um, most people don't need that often. They actually need to learn how to, to bring, bring their system down. So, yeah. And did you just in in cycling in particular in that bent over pose, did you, you know, did you play around with that? Like on your, on your bicycle geometry or your body position in a way that allowed you the, the power of the abdominal breathing? Absolutely. Yeah. Positioning is everything, especially if you're putting your body in a fixed position. Um, yeah. Getting the most, the most opening for your, for your chest, for your belly opening up, uh, in, in every direction is going to give the more, the most space and also like less resistance for the breath too. So if you're having to literally breathe into resistance and it takes energy to pull the air in, you're literally expending a lot of energy just to breathe. And so how loose can you keep your diaphragm? How loose can you keep your chest and your, and your body and your muscles so that the process is, uh, effortless. And yeah, uh, positioning is really important all the time. And even, even when you're not exercising, like guys that sit at, at desks or have uh, sit in the same position all the time, movement becomes even more important because the body literally fixes to that position. So like you get rounded shoulders and, right. and rounded spine and, and, and uh, your neck's all out of whack. And so um, movement becomes even more important to open up the system and combining the breath with the movement is really powerful. So like anytime you're, you're breathing, inhaling, you want to focus on like opening movements. So opening your chest, opening your arms up and then, and then allowing the body to relax and uh, come forward when you exhale. So, um, that would be useful for anyone, but definitely people that like, yeah, cycling big one, um, anything you're doing like a repetitive or stuck movements. It's important for sure. Yeah. And you mentioned sitting at the desk and it uh, <laughs> looks like you got some pretty good shoulder mobility. I, yeah. I've, recently, <laughs> I've recently realized that I don't. And I, I think it's just an erosion of, of, mm -hmm. of this over the years from getting rusty and sitting at a desk mm -hmm. and hunched over a computer and office environment, all that stuff. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I've realized the, you know, the effect of that, not just, you know, pain, mm -hmm. neck, shoulder, but the limitations in that, um, in that range of motion for some different functional fitness movements. So I just bought yeah. a, uh, just bought a standup desk. So I'm, I'm moving to that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this, this is a conscious point of like, okay, I've let it get out of control and it's gotta, mm. gotta get right. Yeah. And, and my, my grandfather always taught me, he took care of his equipment. He said, it's, it's a lot easier to maintain something. And in, like you said, like it's a lot easier to keep things from getting rust than it is to fix them when they're covered in rust. And um, of course, the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. The second best time is now. And so if you're feeling some rust in your body, um, you, 
people would be so surprised at how little it actually takes when you put intention into it. So if you're like, okay, my, my shoulders, some range of motion issues here, I'm feeling the rust in my shoulders, getting some really good practice of regularly, not just once a day, but like regularly opening up, using your breath to open up further, doing some exercises that are proven to, to allow your shoulders to move. And when you, our bodies are so resilient and they're trainable, like they're very trainable. So if you start giving it the pattern that it wants, it'll adapt really quickly. And so people are oftentimes surprised um, how quick it can happen and start with the, the minimum viable, getting a stand-up desk or just taking, uh, taking some breaks to roll your shoulders or move your spine, move your neck, move your hips. Uh, if you're working for extended periods of time and like that will go a long way. Yeah. We're, we're so adaptable in either direction, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. know, good, or, good or bad. So mm-hmm. the, the other uh, sort of weird direction question I was going to throw at you was uh, I think you're uh you're Reiki certified, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So this kind of relates to stories and mm-hmm. curiosity and mm-hmm. exploring what we think we know and, we think we know what we know because we see it mm. and we want to believe it. So I had a chance to train a few months ago with, with a, a, a guy who's in his early seventies and you'd never know it. He's lightning fast and fit and amazing. He is uh, he's a Qigong guy. He's a, he's a, he practices Reiki. The, there's this whole healing side of his, um, of his being, his spirit, his practices and he's also a, he's a lifelong Kung Fu master, which from his origins also came from, you know, a darker side of, of how he grew up and where he grew up and things like that. Um, I saw him run his hands over people and, you know, it's simple stuff, right? I'm, I, I think of it kind of, I, I related to it as like seeing a chiropractor. I threw my back out, working out. Okay. We're going to, bring some movement or some circulation, some energy to that. But I saw ridiculous strengths, feats of strength from this guy, like one small guy overpowering multiple large men or demonstrating repelling an attacker with, um, you know, with, with an energy that threw this guy back to the floor in pain (laughs) that you could see in his face in ways that, you know, for my, worldview didn't make any sense. Yeah. So can you help me, help me get my head yeah. around that a little bit? Yeah, man. I love that you brought this up. Um, I wasn't raised in this world. I was raised in very traditional physical reality thinking and linear and black and white. And um, I have come to explore in, in, in other realms of, of energy, we're just going to call it energy. And um there is a lot that we don't understand as humans and it's okay to admit that we don't understand. But what I find a lot of people doing is because they can't understand it, they call it nonsense or they call it fake or or unreal. And so that's the first point I would say is that one of the, the most powerful decisions that I made for myself was giving myself permission to not know everything. I lived a lot of my life believing that I had to know how everything worked. And if I didn't, then um, it didn't exist or was wrong or 
whatever. I don't, I don't know what the, what the story was, but it's like, I, w- I was committed to knowing it all. And so I made this decision at some point. And it was when I got into this work because I didn't understand what was happening when I was going through this process. I didn't get it. It didn't make sense to me the same way that it didn't make sense to you, how this guy could move this type of uh, presence, this energy at 75, whatever. So that's the first thing I made the choice to say like, Hey, there's some, there's a lot I don't know. And I don't understand. And I'm going to be open to things. I'm going to be open to experiencing things and then make dis- use discernment to make judgments from there. And as I started going into this world of uh, the esoteric and things that are less common in what I was raised in, um, I found a lot of experiences that I could not uh, ignore that didn't make sense to my logical brain in the way that my brain was trained, but it was obvious, like you witnessing that guy. And so to, to come back to it, there's, there's a lot that we don't understand, but that doesn't mean that other people don't understand it. And so when you look at those practices of like Kung Fu and and Qigong and a lot of the, the Eastern traditions, um, they've been doing this for thousands of years. Right. right. <laughs> and those, those are the same, the same way that we learned that that didn't exist. They learned that like that very much exists and like it is more powerful than what we can understand. And so it's just another way of learning. And it's a very like finely tuned art of energy moving. And like, um, I can't, I don't know if it's Qigong or Tai Chi literally translates to energy practice. And so all of that practice is just learning how to cultivate and move energy and feel energy. And what it does is it gives you access to something that's beyond the physical realm, meaning like we can touch and see it. And the, the best example for the people that are like the, the science, the, the scientism believers, it's the, the religion of science is that if you look at just the spectrum of light, like, okay, science spectrum of light, there's, there's all these different wavelengths. Uh, the human eye can only see a very limited range. So does that mean that everything outside of that range doesn't exist? It's like, no, we just don't have access to it. Uh, the, the, the human nose, like you compare that to a dog's nose or an elk who like thousands of times stronger. Does that mean that those scents don't exist? Like, no, we just don't have access to it. Um, what I am, what I'm in the camp of in, in, in my belief is that our connection to our own energy and the energy of the universe and others around us is inherent to us we just haven't had practice in it. And so that 75 year old man has just been practicing the art of manipulating, channeling and cultivating energy the way that most of us haven't experienced before. And the simple example I can, I can give for people that still don't really believe it, but maybe have had an experience like this is if you've ever been hyped up so much, like either either breath work, or you're just like, you're in a group of men, you're jumping, you're screaming that you feel like you could literally run through a brick wall versus your average resting state, which is tired. And you can't really get up. You're not motivated to do any, any extra, you're not motivated to even move. That is a prime example of you just cultivated all of that energy 
and you've literally brought it into your body. And now you could like, he's just doing that in a embodied way. He's just done it so long. That's who he is. He can tap into that. Um, it's like the, yeah, it's, it's like the, 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 the power of, um, man, they, um, got the the word for it. oh the the haka like the like the the energy that's cultivated i was fortunate enough to like witness one and like you can feel it from like feet away like you can feel the energy like blasting you over they're just literally cultivating that warrior energy and it's always accessible to us it's just it, it takes learning how to tap into it and the the place that i always start with though when teaching people is to first access what we already have inside of us before we start channeling in and bringing it in. And, and all that takes is um, a practice of, of breathing. And um, there's, there's a, a method that I use to get people out of their head and into their body. But what you'll notice is that you can actually start to learn how to track energy moving in your body and you can identify it. You, it'll have a color, it'll have a texture, a shape, a size, like you define it. And, and actually observe it as if you're watching a movie. And that's the first place to start. And it gives people an awareness. Again, we're talking about awareness that something else may be happening. <laughs> it's like, what else could be happening? Oh, maybe something else is happening that I don't understand. <laughs> it's that same question. So it's the same yeah. question. Yeah, way to tie yep. it back. Those are a couple of great examples. I mean, whenever I watch a you know, New Zealand All Blacks pregame, mm -hmm. Maori Warrior Haka, it could be on YouTube and it still gives me goosebumps. <sighs> goosebumps. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> right. And then, uh, in fact, they, they did one uh, recently when uh, Diego Maradona passed away. They did one in his honor when they were playing Argentina in a rugby match. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm glad, you, you know, you mentioned this other practice or a place that you and, and others might help um, people start to tune in or experience. Because I was going to ask you, I feel like, at least for me, the progression, maybe it's something along the lines of, you know, never heard of something like this to heard about it, dismissed it, <laughs> you know, voodoo to, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe you see an old Bruce Lee film. It's like, well, maybe that's mm -hmm. just Hollywood. And then you see something like this happen live and it's like, okay, that was real because I saw it. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, with um, uh, Master Fung, you know, he was teaching us some stuff but he didn't necessarily know how to teach us or explain to us or tell us what to do to tap into that. It was more like, Hey, just move like water and, yep. <laughs> and go do that for a long time. And you'll figure it out. He's, he's very humble. And he sort of says, I just figured it out. And then I think about like somebody who uses energy and healing, a healing practice, like a Reiki or something like that. Mm -hmm. And my, my reaction is, okay, great. It, it's real. Now I've seen it. Now I believe it. And I know it's being used in healing but maybe there are just people who are gifted as healers who can tap into that. And maybe the rest of us can't, but I, I think I heard you say all of us have an opportunity to tune into it to some degree. Yeah, I, I do believe that. And I will get into the Reiki too. Thanks for bringing that back. Um, what I've come to understand and witnessing with a, a lot of people is that we all have access to it. It's just the way it comes through maybe differently. Um, what people experience as like really natural intuitive healers um, oftentimes have just cleared their own energy so much. They've done enough like personal work 
that they then have access to a deeper level that most people don't because they're just ha- are, are operating with a lot of stuck energy. And so this actually ties really closely to the work I do. And I bring Reiki into some of the healing sessions that we use because um, for the Western mind, what we do is emotional healing. It's emotional resiliency. But if you look at what emotions actually are and, and they are simply energy moving, energy in motion. When you translate the word emotion, it's emoter, which is energy in motion. And so the, our emotions or our energy is designed to move. Energy is always moving, in fact. What happens is we have the ability to consciously or unconsciously hold on to and stuck energy. Like we, we, we contract and we, we retain energy. We essentially pack it down. Like anytime we suppress emotion, we're, we're packing down and compressing that energy. What happens is, is that because it's designed to move and we, we make it stagnant, um, either by like something happens, an event happens, we contract physically uh, trauma or just like a, a, a meaningful thing happens in our life and it just creates a pattern. Um, what it does is it manifests in the body. So, so the energy is stuck. It's literally in the physical cells of the body. And what happens is, is that it causes, it, it winds down and tightens the system up so much that it manifests in physical ways. It manifests as diseases. It manifests as physical restrictions, physical injuries. Um, and, and what the practice of Reiki and a lot of other energy manipulation tools do is it, it, it at the energetic level essentially breaks things up. If you think about like a deep tissue massage, it breaks things up at that level. And what'll happen is, is the, you, and you probably saw it, like the body will actually move or it releases in a number of ways. And most people are familiar with like the emotion of uh, like moving as crying, but it can also just be, it can be um, just shaking. Like the body shakes and tremors. It can be yawning. It can be like coughing and purging or spitting. It can be uh, burping. Uh, it can be sweating or like uh, snot coming out. And these are all just natural occurring ways in which our body clears things out. If you think about when we're sick, it's just all the things that we're sweating that are snots, snots coming out, we're tearing and mucus and all that is just our body's way of clearing things out. And that's exactly what's happening. Um, when we do this energy work, it's just at a, a sub physical level and it translates to the physical body though. So it's like, okay, if energy stuck here in your right hip, and we move that energy, it creates space, your physical, physically, your hip will actually move better. And so when we do this work with people, the quote unquote side effects are that they, their body feels better. They clear up health issues, their skin's better, their digestion's better. It's because it's just oftentimes a lot of stagnant stuck energy that we don't, we we're not taught to understand how that works. And so um, it helps to, to, to be with someone that can show you how to get there. But our intention is to teach people how to do this for themselves because it's, it's, it's in a natural, like it's an inherent right for all of us. We're all healers for ourselves. It just, we've just, hasn't been taught like the same way that 
he just figured it out. He, he just, he, he, I'm sure he got taught, but it's an experiential thing. It's like, right. We we can't explain words are the language of the mind and what's happening is actually a lot wiser than the mind. It's a lot more intelligent than our, our uh, human mind. Um, And that's hard for a lot of people to grasp until they experience it. That that is very much along the lines of, I I think his reaction was something like, I I can't tell you, you have to do it. You know, something Mm -hmm. like that. And what you're talking about sounds, uh, sounds almost to me like a, uh, like an energetic um, detox or an energetic cleansing, maybe as yeah. stuff starts to move. But that's really encouraging that this is something it's an experiential opportunity that's open to all of us. If we learn, are, are you okay on time? If I just explore yeah. a little bit more curiosity, yeah. thank, thank you for yeah, being for generous sure. with your time. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I'm going to kick myself if I don't go back and ask you this for myself. When we talked about, you gave the example like the Haka or being in a state where you've tapped into an energy that you said feels like you could run through a wall. There is, um, so there's an event uh, I'm signed up for in March uh, out here that is a, it's a 24 hour event. This is not a A to B race. This is more of a boot camp style of, uh, of event. And um, the guys that run it, they have, they have also a something like 52 hour version. Mm-hmm. And the, the point, you know, there are things that you literally do and mm-hmm. a lot of them are very physical, but there's a reason behind all of it. And ultimately the reason behind all of it. And I think that the, the 24 hours kind of like some people will get there. Some people won't. They're 52 hours designed to take everybody who gets through it to a point where you've reached such physical, emotional, mental, everything exhaustion, and you're still called upon to kick it up to an even higher level of output and, and energy. Um, they, they call it um, finding your, your, your 20x power and, and potential. And so there's some, there's some process there and they have a way of, of, of like guiding people to that make or break point where they, they say meet themselves for the first time. And find that energy that uh, that they've never tapped into before. Um, but from what you said, I, I wonder: is there a way to to tap into that kind of potential energy in ourselves more frequently, or without the without the crucible of uh, forty eight or fifty mm-hmm. hours of hard work before you get there? Is it something we can use more frequently, more abundantly? Y- yes, and and absolutely. It's um, like you said, they just have a process to get there. And that's honestly one of the ways where people can get there is you just reach the edge of what you're able to hang on to, to where you actually surrender to something that's much more powerful than, than you, you are consciously. And so that is just one tool to do it. Um, the way in which we change our state is simply any mechanism that gets us out of our operating state. And so that can be something as simple as like what we described as the morning routine is a change in your state. So what they're doing is, is it's big, it's, it's intense. It's, it's a massive state change. Same thing with like, if you go into like a massive, like plant medicine experience, it's, it's a massive state change. Um, that can be useful. Same thing with our retreats. It's a massive state change. It can be really useful for showing people how much is available to them or what's possible. 
it's like, whoa, like blasted wide open, like right. the 20X. It can be useful, but unless people learn the process of stabilizing that as their new state, like their new normal operating mm -hmm. state, then they will go back to the old because it's the only thing they're, they really know with certainty. They have a lifetime of the old, and right. this is just one experience. And so what I am actually learning in this process is like those big experiences are really important, but what's more important is, is, is using tools to get back to that state more often and make the time in between them less so that you just become this new state. Like you're just, that's your new normal. I use that word all the time. It's like, if your normal was like miserable and tired and, and like, uh, unha unhealthy and unhappy, your new state can just be, can be happy and can be light. It can be easy. It can be fit, healthy, whatever you want your normal to be, but it takes, um, like, like training your body when you first get in the gym, like the muscles don't just pop on and you immediately squat 400 pounds. Like it takes reps and it takes reps and it takes reps. And the same thing goes with, um, this process of changing your state. And the same thing applies to what we talked about earlier, that it happens faster than people realize when they commit to it on a regular, it could be daily. I call it a moments game. And this is a really important uh, thing that I teach people is that every single moment, like this moment right now, I have a choice. And that choice is to either continue to live the script that I have been living, which is usually easier for people or make a choice to reinforce the new of what I want to create in my life. And every moment you get that choice. So something comes up and you choose, doesn't matter. There's no right or wrongs. So you choose whatever you choose, but immediately the next moment, even before you can process what just happened, you have another choice to make the same choice. Do I continue going the same path I'm on or do I choose the new of what I do want? Um, and what I use for state changes is what I call anchors. Um, these anchors can be like a physical practice or they can be a, a mantra or something to just snap you out of when you're, you're really in it, like you're in your tunnel. And so for example, um, uh, like a common, a com we work with belief systems, like a common belief system could be, um, like if someone's like starting their own business and it's just could be just, I'm not smart enough to do this. Like something comes up, a challenge just comes up. I'm just not smart enough to do this. And like, uh, an anchor could be a mantra of like, Oh, I am smart. I I'm capable. I'm, I have everything that I need. And it just changes. It shifts the direction of where you're heading. Because if you go into, I'm not smart enough Hey, guess what? You're going to find all the examples of why you're not smart enough. But if you just, if you shift, if you just change the ship and you say, Oh, I am smart enough. I am capable enough. I'm, I'm, I can do this. Um, this is just a bump. I can do this. And it just, you'll start seeing all the opportunities of why you can do it and why you are smart enough, why you are capable enough. And so that's a, that's like a verbal mantra anchor. Another universal anchor is taking a breath. It's like when you're in something, 
just take a breath and maybe you need one more and maybe you need one more and give yourself enough patience. The body actually will tell you when you're, you've changed your state. It'll literally relax down. You'll be able to think clearly the fog will lift. And that's when you make the choice. It's like, okay, do I keep going into what I just <laughs> snapped myself out of, or do I make a different choice? Um, and so that anchor of taking a breath, use it as much and as often as possible. And it's usually maybe a second breath, maybe a third breath, six breaths, like slow breaths of a minute. And most people will be out of whatever they're in. And, but I say, what I mean when I say in is like when you're emotionally triggered or you're frustrated or like whatever you're like, you're, you're in this thing. I call it the shit pool. When you're in the shit pool, you can't do anything from there. So first get yourself out of the shit pool so that you can make a choice that you want to make. Um, when you're in it, you, you can't do it. That option is not there. So first snap yourself out with some sort of anchor and then make the choice in the moment, what you desire. Awesome. Thank you for exploring that. Mm-hmm. It, uh, this may be a simple way to, play back a little bit of what you just heard or said and, and kind of one way I heard it, but that, that idea of there can be these major sorts of things we put ourselves through to major realizations uh, your, you know, your point, when, when you explain your point of um, how do we start to experience those things more frequently, maybe on not such a dramatic scale, but to reinforce tapping into that state, the, the way that sat with me, I, I thought back to kind of where we started is getting uncomfortable. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So modern life, we've, we've fallen into very much a continuum. We, we don't have, you know, go out for the hunt and gather mm-hmm. uh, cycle that we used to as, as a survival mode. We don't necessarily have life or death experiences. Uh, we don't necessarily have crucibles designed into the way our society works. Um, things that are uncomfortable or potentially life-threatening, but we can start to do, we can start to build into our lives a lot more practices that are uncomfortable, that energize us in, in more primal ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe to bring it back to, to purpose and then um, how you're connecting with men through your, your coaching and events, um, before we get to what you're doing with people, mm-hmm. um, I just want to try to tear down one more barrier, potential yeah. barrier here on Hell yeah. on purpose. Mm-hmm. Purpose, I think, can be a really daunting thing for people. Like, yeah, I might want to go work with Chris, but I, I need to know my purpose first. I got to figure out my purpose first. And I don't know how to figure out my purpose. Yeah. So how do you address that? It seems like a chicken and the egg thing that could get people even more stuck. Yeah. I love this question. It's, it's actually going to be, it's really coming to be the framework of my book. And it's um, most people are trying to find their purpose Mm -hmm. from their mind. What I believe is that our purpose is much deeper than our thinking mind. And it's, it's actually, I, I call it in our heart. It's, and, and so we have been taught for a very long time that the mind runs the show and like everything processes through the mind. And it's, it's a really useful tool. However, the, the depth of what you're here to do on this planet, what you're here to do in this moment, what you're here to serve or be 
um, is not a product of thinking. It's a product of, of, of being authentically who you are. The challenge is, and the reason why people aren't going to think their way to purpose is because when we're using our thinking mind, we're always thinking through the lens that is our belief system. And that's a cloudy lens. It's got a lot of imperfections and it's not good or bad. It just is. Our mind is really useful. It's a programmable processor. And what happens is when we develop, when we're young and we develop as kids and we're taking on all this information into our body and our mind is processing it and making meaning to it. It's creating a story of our life, even before we know that that's happening. And so we get this mind that's really conditioned, but it's only conditioned to work a certain way. It would be if you were a coder or a programmer and you program an application to, um, I don't know, calculate your taxes, for instance, it's not going to be uh, the best-selling game on the iPhone. It's designed to calculate your taxes. It's not going to be this, whatever, like Farmville or Candy Crush or whatever. It's not that. It didn't get programmed for that. And so what happens is, is when people are filtering through that clouded lens of the mind, it's all of these things that we learned. And unfortunately, that really limits what the possibilities are. Because the possibilities of our mind is just what our mind has experienced. But guess what? Uh, coming to your example, that 75-year-old man that's, that's doing energy, his mind is working differently than yours. It's, it's experienced something that you and I haven't. And, and, and here's the, the beautiful secret is that there's, what, seven and a half, eight billion people on this planet there's 8 billion different operating scripts. They're all unique. And what happens is when you, when you get out of your own individual one and you, you either you expand your awareness, you expand your perspective, you can then get access to purpose that you didn't even know was there. And so if you're own like, it's if, it's if like you're, you're, um, you've, you've got a box and in that box is, is all these options. That's, that's your mind. It's everything that you've learned and seen up to this point. Um, when you expand the walls of that box, you have a lot more options. You can fit a lot more options in there, but guess what? When we come, when we bypass the mind, it's as if we just knock the walls down and it's infinite. And so how, I do that for people is and bring them to purpose. And how we do that is that we, it, we teach people how to connect with their, with their core, with their heart beyond their thinking mind. So we essentially bypass all the belief systems that aren't yours, all the stories that you've built up over your lifetime and your ancestors before you, we bypass those and we get to a place that's pure you. And we're not telling you what's there. You're literally accessing something deeper. And, and people, uh, they will share like transcendental experiences, uh, mystic, mystical experiences, 
But really what they're just accessing is something new. It's a new way of tapping in. And um, that's where I believe our, 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 like the core of who we are resides. It's our higher self. It's, 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 it's what we're here to do. Um, and it gives people so much more freedom, uh, so many more opportunities to be who they really are than just, I'll I'll use a concrete example. I was raised in a a family of, um, like we weren't musically inclined. Like I, I took the sports route. I was, was, that's what I was modeled for me. Um, when I've started going into this work and bypassing my mind and just doing what felt good. Like I picked up a drum and I was just like in it. And I was like, songs were coming through me. And I was, I was, I was like singing things that I didn't even know were there. And I was like, I was like, what the hell? I was like, I didn't learn this. (laughs) I didn't learn any of this, but I realized like there's something in me that has like this musical rhythm and this, and um, it's coming from a place that's not the learned mind. And we all have versions of that. We all have an example of that. Um, it's like what we call, like when people tap into their unique gifts, like you said, like some people are natural healers. There's some people that are more inclined to it. People will tap into things that like they didn't learn. They didn't read a book on, but they just inherently know how to do it. And they do it better than anyone, like almost instantly. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> right that's because they're just tapping into their, their unique DNA of who they are. Um, and, uh, it is probably not what people think it is. That's the hardest part. It's the thinking mind is really, really limited and it can only do what it's programmed to do. And so we teach people how to program it to be more aligned with what their heart desires, honestly. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I like the way you said, um, you mentioned something about just, um, being, um, I, I, I think of like this exercise of, of, um, pursuing purpose or pursuing recognition of purpose. I, I have one coach that says, it's not about finding your purpose. It's about uncovering your purpose. Mm-hmm. And I remember that when you, you gave the, uh, the metaphor of kind of knocking down the walls, um, this idea of how to start approaching, discovery of purpose or recognition of purpose with, with somebody like you, Chris, I, I think about like, um, take it back to sports, right? Something like golf. If you take a very stressful approach and just gripping down that club <laughs> and you tense everything up, oh, yeah. right. You, you know, you're going to, you're going to slice it or hit it, hit it a couple mm-hmm. yards, right. There's really a, there's power in being loose and how you approach something. And, um, with purpose, it seems like, let's not get stressed out about finding it, (laughs) you know, this, this final place or destination. Let's not, doesn't make sense to start with, um, Hey, Chris or Michael, can you please give me the exercise that I need to do before I get there? What are the questions I need to answer? And then I'll find this enlightenment. It's not about doing, it's really about, again, creating this space and this experience of being Mm -hmm. and awareness maybe to, to start to, find those things through your, through your heart or through your intuition. And and I love that you just said intuition because there are signs all around us. There are signals that's guiding us to our purpose. It's just, are we tuned into them and honing your intuition is tuning into those signals. 
and so that's a practice in itself. That's a, that's a learned practice of listening to your intuition. And, um, there's, there's an analogy that I think is really useful in purpose. And this just came to me that, um, I spent a lot of time in the woods and, and the analogy would be if we were looking for the, this, this river we're calling purpose, the river's name is purpose. And a lot of us are just wandering through the woods. And if we wander through the woods without paying attention to the signs that are around us, we'll keep wandering. We may wander in circles. We may be wandering away from the river that we're trying to get to for water. Um, we may just, just, it might be chaos. We may die out there because we can't get to water. If you contrast that to slowing down and like paying attention, watching the animals, watching the tracks, the tracks always lead to the water. You, you start listening. You might hear some signs of it that if there may be signs from the, the trees or the plants that are growing in a certain direction. And, and then as you listen to those, they're subtle at first. And then as you get closer to it, it, you, you really start to hear it and the signs become louder and then you get closer to it and it's like, you see it and you're like, there it is. And so you, now you're, you're, you're much more confident in walking towards it. More things are coming, more signs are coming online and you get to it and you, to dip your toes in. You're like, yeah, that's purpose. I really, I feel it now. And then like you go waist deep and you feel the power of the river. You're like, yeah, like, like I'm in purpose. And you're like, and then you keep paying attention to it. And then you, um, you, you get out in it and it sweeps you up and you're now in the middle of purpose and you're just lean back and you're flowing in and everything's easy. You're like, this is purpose. And it's so powerful. And we all know those people that are in it. They're just lit up at what they do and they're excited to do it and speak on it. And they're literally just in the channel, the, the full blast channel of purpose. And what, what becomes obvious is, is when you're in it and you start to get out of it and you're like, Oh, it doesn't feel as strong as anymore. Like, I don't like what's going on. And you're like, Oh, I'm on the shore. Like, okay, get back. It becomes much more obvious. So the closer you are to purpose, the signs may be bigger and they may be louder and it may be more obvious than if you're really far away from it, but there's always signs. That's the thing is that if we tune into them, we'll find the signs. We'll, we'll, we'll meet someone that knows more about navigating and there'll be a guide and they'll be like, Hey, like maybe, maybe we try this and maybe we head this direction and then you pick up on what they were picking up. So like there's ways to do it, but purpose is there and we're all wandering in the woods. It's just a matter of how close are we to it right now and how committed are we to tuning into the signs that are all around us. I, I, a year ago, I would have told you, and I literally told a, a coach of mine, uh, yeah, he, he asked, how would you grade yourself in intuition one to five? And I think I gave myself a one or a one, 1.5. I said, I just, I haven't developed my intuition. I just haven't developed it. And as I started to explore it, in fact, I just spent last month with that as a, as a focal point for myself. And what I would describe it very differently now, it's not, do I have intuition or have I ever developed intuition? I think we all have it. It's have you learned to tune into it? Have you taken time to tap into it? 
And this, it starts to become very easy to point to examples of where you did tune into it or where you ignored it and what that looked yeah. like as a result. And so maybe to be a little cheesy here, but before you and I got on this podcast, I got off a, a call with a teammate of mine. And uh, I don't know if this is where our conversation today, Chris, was meant to go or was designed to go, but <laughs> it probably answers all of that teammate's questions mm. perfectly. <laughs> He's going to need to listen to this for yeah. sure. So, <laughs> He'll send him the episode. <laughs> you know, when you talk about signs or things sort of go mm -hmm. where they need to go, yeah. uh, the timing of this is, is so perfect in so many ways. Um, I, I really appreciate your time and exploring all this with me. I mean, we could talk for a long, long time, I'm sure. Um, and I'm, I'm super interested in what you do. Can you just share with training camp for the soul? Is it all in-person event driven? Is it in Austin? What does that look like during COVID? Um, what options do people have to, to connect with you and your organization remotely or in the interim? Yeah. One size absolutely. fits all. How do men engage with you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, um, um, the COVID time presented an amazing opportunity for us because up until that point, we were running these really small intimate retreats and we thought it always had to be done in this way because the work was so deep. And what happened was, is um, when uh, COVID times and quarantine, uh, a lot of people needed this work. And so we answered the call and we started doing these free support calls. We'd have hundreds of people on these calls and, we were supporting all of them just by guiding them through simple general practices that we use in our program. And so um, we realized that like we could have a massive impact with a lot of people virtually. And so um, we have a virtual program. It's actually step one for people to do this work. It's the foundations It teaches people both the tools and strategies, and then also the experiential side of, of actually doing it. Um, it's a three month program. Our next one starts uh, February 18th. So I'm not sure when the show will come out, but um, we're going into enrolling right now. And so it's a really good time for people to check it out. And then once people enroll and they do the virtual, they have an opportunity to come to one of our retreats, which is step two. Uh, the retreats uh, require people to have the frameworks of the virtual because we, we just go right into it. And without the understanding of what we do, it would, there'd be a lot more resistance. They, they wouldn't quite get it. it. We would spend the whole time of the retreat getting them to right. figure out what we're doing, but really it's, uh, it's a lot more useful to do it this way. And so they, they do the virtual and they can, a lot of people enroll for them both at the same time, because we always have some in-person experiences available. Um, we're still doing retreats. We, we uh, are very clear with people about um, uh, like protocols and like what we do. And honestly um, we follow whatever, whatever guidelines are there for the States we run them in. And um, yeah, we, we move forward. And honestly, this work is needed now more than ever. And so we're going to always um, weigh safety, but we're also going to continue to provide a very, very valuable service right now. And um, yeah, we've, we've been doing them. We've been running retreats during this time and obviously maybe a little bit smaller and maybe some, some uh, red tape and restrictions, but um, the next one we have is in April in uh, Colorado. And um, yeah, we'd love for any, any of the listeners to, to join us for those, those programs. It's, it's 
powerful, powerful work. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you guys have been able to pivot during quarantine and not only yeah. keep your, keep things going, but find a way to, to serve and reach and support an even broader audience. Uh, you know, I'd love to get this episode out uh, in time to see if people are interested in the, the, the 90 day, the 12 mm-hmm. or 13 week training that kicks off in February. It looks like you also do some sort of intro webinars or a quick, maybe yeah. look at what you guys do once in a while as well. Do those happen yeah. from time to time? For, yeah, from time to time. We do them um, usually leading up to whenever our program starts. Um, and so right now we're going into that. Our first uh, webinar masterclass is uh, next Wednesday. So um, not sure when this will come out, but this will be uh, January 13th. And then we're going to do them every Wednesday until the program starts. So we'll have okay. a support call every Wednesday and people can come on and see the work that we do. Um, we also have some free downloads that people can do. Um, actually the gratitude popcorn, we guide people through that on a video and some other things. Um, those are really useful. And, uh, yeah, we do, we do a lot of free calls and also a lot of podcasts like this to introduce people to something that's very different than what most people are experiencing in, in personal development right now. Yeah, for sure. I think we can get this out, probably get it out, uh, Thursday, the 14th, I think it's, cool. I think that's the date on cool. that, which we'll miss yeah. that Wednesday, but it sounds that's like there'll right. be a few more Wednesdays. We've got, uh, yeah. You know, way before, about a month before the 90 day kickoff. Mm-hmm. And then perfect for folks that are interested and, and maybe get through the, the 90 day and would love to do more when one of your workshops mm-hmm. pop up. Um, how long is the workshop? Is it a weekend or how long does it last? Um, they're about four and a half days. Four, so, awesome. four, four, four nights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds like it would be pretty, pretty intense yeah. and pretty powerful. Very, very much so. You're yeah. going to do them in different places, Austin, Colorado. Well, yeah. Yeah. Do them in Others. Austin, do them in Colorado. We, we were doing some in California. Um, right now it's, uh, we're, we're only planning uh, one at a time. <laughs> yeah, right. we, we, we would normally plan the whole year out, but we're keeping it just within the next few months and, and even that we, we understand that we have to be flexible and, um, part of doing this work is being able to, uh, be with anything that happens. And it's just like, Oh yeah, that's just another thing we get to adapt. And, um, honestly it has led to an enormous amount of growth for the work that we do in our company just for, by being adaptable and not being attached to the way that it looks. And, um, it's just a choice to see it as an opportunity versus the choice to see it as a, a hindrance or yeah. anything like that. I, um, I feel so grateful to have met so many amazing people, especially in the course of 2020 and not to make light of, of some real health problems and, and disasters and impacts to people um, from a physical and a financial perspective that I know are real and they're out there. At the same time, um, I've met so many amazing people in 2020 that have this same mindset of adaptability and flexibility and, and with that have really done nothing but thrive. It's been amazing. So I'm really glad you said that because um, 2020, when we look at how individuals develop, it exactly mimics the collective. And so when we look at the, the collective, all of people the world is going through right now, what 2020 was for a lot of people was that snapping people out of the pattern. Like we said, it's either the breath or the mantra. Literally it was a year of snapping people out of their normal head down day to day. 
And so people um, bumped up against that, that choice of like, okay, am I going to keep doing and like keep going and, 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 and contracting, or am I going to see this and maybe get this an opportunity out of this? Am I going to shift something? And I, I, same thing. I mean, there's um, there's the things that are happening externally and there's the way in which we respond to it internally. And so external things are happening, but people are making decisions to, to receive and process them different internally. And I know so many people have gotten the best shape of their life this year. They've done the emotional healing. They've like, they've shifted to a work-life balance. That's much more favorable for them. They've had better relationship, like so many things. And then of course, there's also people that are having the worst year of their life. There's people that uh, there's, there's tragedies and tragedies and um, so many things that people are going through. And um, it's not um, a friend of mine, actually, I'm always getting my mind blown. I hang around with cool people. And he's like, if we really, if we really step back and we, we observe objectively is that while what the it is, is unique at any period in, in any moment in time, someone is having the best moment of their life, the best day, the year of their life. And there's always someone having the worst moment of their life, the worst day of their life, the worst year of their life. And so while the thing that's causing that per se is different, is like the human experience is the human experience. And this is just a big aha moment for a lot of people. And um, while, while it is uh, causing a lot of pain and discomfort, uh, what, what I know from my work, and I say this with the most compassion, is that people come to change through chaos and through discomfort and through pain. And so people are finding ways to use this to be a catalyst for the life that they really want. Um, and so I, I, I honor the people that are, that are making that choice. And I also have enormous compassion and empathy for the people that are really in it right now. Yeah. So, so well said. And, uh, that, you know, 2020 opened an opportunity, a realization of an opportunity, as you said, we have a choice in every single moment. This was a big wake up call for choices. And it looks like, looks like there are plenty more opportunities for choice ahead and volatility and chaos, but that's life. You know, this is maybe just yeah. an exaggerated version of it. So I, I super appreciate that there are folks like you out there poised to support and help and educate and, and grow uh, for people that are looking to make new choices and make changes. So I, I really appreciate Chris, the time and, and the generosity of spending so much time exploring this. I'm excited to get this out to the tribe um, and look at what you're doing with the, the virtual training and then, and then workshops. So wish you the very best. Hope to stay in touch. I'd love to uh, hook up with you for one of those. Yeah, I would love that. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Chris. Wow. Okay. Awesome stuff in there. And thank you again to Chris. I'm excited to learn more about what he and his team are doing. I signed up for, uh, for one of his master classes already. So much stuff in there. If you got through the whole episode, maybe you had to chunk it into pieces. But I, uh, you know, when I get a chance to talk to somebody like Chris and ask those questions, and I get so curious about it, and there's so much to explore. I hope you enjoyed it, listening as much as I did talking to Chris and learning from Chris. There's so much there, and there's so much important stuff there. Not only as you start 2021, but big deal. It's a new year. We just flipped the calendar. The point is, how, what are you doing every day? And as Chris says, in every 
moment, every choice, every moment you have that choice. And are you, are you choosing to live in a way that is feeling joyful and happy, that is aligned to your purpose? Has it, have you really tapped into what that purpose is, what your unique gift is, and how does it get fired up by what you're passionate about? So I, uh, I hope you enjoyed all of that with Chris and don't mind the length of it. So much good stuff there. And please go find Chris Marhefka and Training Camp for the Soul. If, if you don't already have him bookmarked on social media, then you can just jump out to the show notes for this episode, manofmastery.com slash 072, and you'll find links to everything for Chris and, and his team. So all the best to him, all the best to you in the, in the new year. Look forward to seeing you back here in two weeks for another podcast episode and some of the other stuff we've got coming out here in January to start a new cadence and some new offerings to support you launching into 2021.